Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire. Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Trek from the Holodeck, the Lower Decks edition. You're listening to us live at RM Channel 001 on TuneIn. So today, I am your captain, Michael Flores, and I'm in the studio with Anson Sabal. Hello. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mike, have you got that request for me to uh, transfer to the farm by any chance? Uh, you are a deformity. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I wasn't going to tell you, but they're on the way. Sweet. Oh, you want to go? Dude. Oh, the hot nurses. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to get better, Mike. I want to get better. Sure you do. I have to get better. <laughs> Just like Boimler. <laughs> All right. So today you and I are going to be discussing Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 7. Much ado about Boimler. Directed by Barry J. Kelly and written by... M. Willis. The synapsis. Mariner tries to impress her best friend from Starfleet Academy, who is now a visiting captain. Boimler is sent to Starfleet medical ship after a transporter accident put him out of phase. All right. So this is another fun episode. It is. It was. I enjoyed it. It takes the whole transporter accident trope to a whole other level. And with that, we get another episode that brings in the dark comedy. There were some disturbing moments. Similar to episode four, Moist Vessel with the Ascending. I, I feel like those two episodes right now, in terms of dark comedy, take the cake. I mean, you had that poor guy ascending and he's like, uh, you know, in pain and agony. He's being tortured as he's ascending. Make it stop. <laughs> And here we have a bunch of deformities uh, uh, in the same vein as the island of Dr. Moreau. Kendi is turning into, doesn't understand what a dog is. Making dogs, you would assume before you attempt at creating some type of life, you would understand the very basics of a dog. So I enjoy this episode. It was fun. And using this transporter accident that involves Boiler, Boimler. Boimler. As a way to kickstart the narrative, which takes us into familiar territory with the Trek verse, but also does its best to do some new things as well. And that's the key word there. New, new, new things as well. That's something that you and I have been talking about even before Lower Decks even aired. We said, please don't just simply be a parody or the greatest hits, even though that's how Mike McMahon had originally sold this to fans in interviews. Oh, this is like the greatest hits, which made me go immediately when I heard that. But fortunately, even though we are getting or we may be getting essentially the greatest hits, we're being given something more important. And that is our own mythos. That's something we've said we want. 
make this crew, make the Cerritos crew stand out on its own, build a new era of Trek on top of that crew. And I feel like they are exploring these new categories, giving us their own mythos on top of what we already know of Trek, like this paradise place where all the victims of accidents are taken to live out their life. Yeah. And get better. Even though they're, Stuck in a wheelchair. <laughs> Man, I was laughing so hard when they got to, when they got to the farm and you had a bunch of other people in Pike handicap wheelchairs chairs. and they're all like just doing that stupid little beep noise to each other. Yeah, and then like they, they they dressed them up in like Hawaiian shirts and bathing suits and over the wheelchair, and I'm like, going, oh, oh my up. god, it's so fucked up because that whole Pike chair has always been fucked up. I remember watching this episode when I was a kid with my mom and I remember it just disturbed the shit out of me, that whole pike chair, because you just have this guy that's completely deformed and, and he obviously doesn't want to be told what to do or go places. And he's saying, no, beep, beep, beep. beep. <laughs> and they're just taking him against his will and doing things. Yeah. And like, no, no, he can't, he can only answer in yes and no. And beeps. Yeah. And beeps. And like, it's the worst it is the absolute worst fate. It's body horror. It's body horror. It really is body horror. And body horror has always disturbed me. So we are introduced to some really funny new characters and some familiar species that I don't yeah. believe we've ever seen in live action form. The Edosians. Edosians, yeah. With uh, the, uh, I think it was the, uh, the. I forgot what the doctor's name on uh, the Osler was, but he is... And a Dojin like the uh, like Eric's from the animated series. Yeah. And I was like so going, hey, they actually are showing that, yeah, that species did belong in the universe. It was fun. I was really giddy when I saw that because you and I, I think, actually talked about this fairly recently during our animated series discussion that Eric's was an interesting character. He was. That was only... Again, correct me if I'm wrong, Star Trek fans, only used in the animated series. Yeah. And we've and never seen him live action. Never. I mean, the, 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 I think the only other time that we've seen Eric's is in uh, the comics. Yeah. Comics and yeah. the animated series. And books. But, oh, yeah. But when it comes to the TV shows, we've never seen Eric's except no. for the animated series. As I said, live action, I don't think we've ever seen any Dojin, period. No, because I honestly think if they were to do an adosion, I think they could do it now. They could do it now because look what they did with Saru. Right. The the effects makeup and the effects prosthetics that they're able to do. You could do a adosion now. Will they? I would love to see it. I mean, they we've seen what they were what they're capable of doing with Saru. A three-armed being? Eh, that might be kind of cool. That that be uh, though the other one was uh, Lieutenant. I think it's Pr- Lieutenant Pratchett, who's a Regilian. That was a good callback too. Which one was that one? That was part of the uh, crew. The the uh, that came over with uh, Mariner's oh, friend. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And a uh, Regilians have barely, rarely been seen. I think we've only seen Regilians uh, a. F- few times i'm kind of i think it was in the the original series and i think in enterprise mm-hmm. i'm not quite sure on that but 
this episode did do a lot of those things. They 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 pulled out some some things that I was not expecting to see ever in Star Trek, really. Like I just never I kind of lost hope in seeing it and and actually seeing an adosion. it's kind of like I felt like, hey, you know, that ship sailed a long time ago. We saw Eric's in the seventies and they never really harkened back anything. in live action. I mean, seriously, you had T and G, you had Deep Space Nine, you had Voyager, you had Enterprise. Uh we have the new era of Star Trek, and not once have we ever seen an Edosian. So I'm like, well, that ship has definitely sailed, and no one gives a shit. <laughs> so at least Mike McMahon is flexing his Star Trek dick. And honestly, that's probably what it is. He's like, I'm going to show these motherfuckers. I know what this is. Oh, this is a deep cut right here. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, a, there was a lot of deep cuts in this one. I mean, when it comes to the one thing that me and you have been discussing throughout all the past episodes is the Easter eggs. Yeah. These ones actually were cool Easter eggs. Many of these were actually Easter eggs. Yes, I would agree. But they're doing exactly what we wanted, Dave. We said, give us some new respect what came before, but also do your own thing. Yes. And I really like how they're used all these elements, not just to have a good time, not just as a wink, wink. Hey, guys, I know Star Trek. I promise. But they're also using these elements to map out the narrative. I mean, in this episode alone, the narrative and the individual character arcs are all neatly running parallel. Yeah. Again, you had Rutherford's uh, transporter experiment, propel uh, Boilmer's story, but also it was used to bring resolve to Mariner by the end. Yeah. Uh, you have Tendig's uh, experimentation that ended up connecting with Boilmer as they all ended up heading to the farm all while the main bridge crew is off doing a mission that I can only imagine will come back before the end of the season. Yes. I mean, the humor was spot on playing with something as simple as the transporter. I mean, having it be one Millicocker and off from fully <laughs> materializing was material. fucking hilarious. Yes. When Boimler walked on the bridge and he has that little ring. <laughs> attached to him as he's walking and he's trying to play he's trying to play it off too <laughs> like it's so, not a big deal it's not a big deal oh my god dude this episode was funny this was this good. was actually a really fun and well well comedy written episode it's not just that yes 100 dave but also it was funny they built their own mythos because there's even more we have division 14 yes new. We have the concept of the farm new. We have all these cool Easter eggs. We have our characters being fleshed out, especially Mariner. Yeah. You have all these things coming into play, Dave. So this to me is, I have to say up to this point, this may not be my favorite episode so far. Yeah, I agree with that. But I have to say that this might be the most Star Trek episode we have been given. It literally hit every point, Dave. When you, if you were to pull out a Star Trek checklist, okay, you even had the fantastical alien at the end. <laughs> yes, I mean it, they did everything. They they basically did encounter at Farpoint. <laughs> yeah, and and that that's the amazing thing that they were able to do. And yeah, I agree with you. This isn't my favorite Lower Decks episode, yeah. but it's a very well done Lower Decks episode. Like last episode is still my favorite. I love that last one. Yeah, it's a better episode. It's a better episode. It get, I get better laughs out of that one, like gut-busting laughs. But here, this did... 
I will say this did more for the character story arcs, especially for Mariner, because by the end of it, I fully understand why now Mariner is the way she is. Yeah. It's not the fact that she's a she's she's a dick and an asshole. A dick and an asshole. <laughs> well, that's um, that's a party. That's a party. But the reason why she it, it it's so gratifying seeing why she is the way she is. She can be this great leader, but she doesn't want to live under those regulations. She wants to be free. And she, the way she looks at the Federation is like living by rules that basically govern everybody. That makes much more that 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 makes Mariner more understandable than just saying, "Oh, she's just a chaotic being that just runs around and just does everything because she's perfect." Yeah, and this is that bit that we needed, Dave. So yeah. I do agree with you that the aspect for the. Yeah, the character development of Mariner definitely. Well, I feel like technically speaking, yes, there were better moments, but I feel like technically speaking, when you're looking at what the script is doing, uh, what the writer is trying to do, the Mariner aspect is probably the best because she is arguably our lead. Yes, she's definitely our lead. She's if there was a call sheet, which I'm sure there is, she's number one on that call sheet. And we had some serious character problems for the first two or three episodes. And since episode four, they have slowly course corrected and fixed those issues. And this episode is night and day when you compare it to what we saw in the first episode. And I get it. I understand, you know, the writers or Mike McMahon, if he's listening to our discussions are like, guys, be fucking patient. I'm like, listen, dude, she was uh, not likable. She wasn't. I'm willing to be patient with character development, but give us something to like someone. If you want us to like our lead, we have to like them. And even, and I know this is very controversial, but even Burnham and discovery, the very first episode, we can kind of understand why she did what she did. Her mutiny. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a bad call still, but the writers did, but I understand what they're trying to do. And I understand her, her thought process. The fact that she is, uh, essentially a child of two worlds and her logic and the Vulcan and the human side basically just did can't compute can't compute and she had a sword circuit <laughs> right so I understand with Mariner I just never could understand and now you get an episode like this and it isn't about being lazy it's not about being afraid of responsibility I take that back it's it's not that she's lazy it is the fact that she is slightly afraid of responsibility. Now we don't quite fully understand why she has this, this feeling towards having responsibility, but we got the hint that she does. Right. And that's all we need. All we need to do now is continue to add on to that. Now that we understand that she's not lazy and she's not just a shitty person that likes to be toxic and fuck things up and be annoying. Now suddenly we realize, okay, so she does all of these things purposely because she's trying not to ever get promoted. She doesn't want to be in the position of leadership. And that's why I thought actually the introduction of Ramsey, the 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 captain from her class. Right. I thought that that was actually a very good foil to 
to uh, to Mariner in this episode, mm-hmm. where like normally the, the it's been Boimler and Mariner, and Boimler's the foil to Mariner. They decided to bring in a brand new character that honestly assisted Mariner's growth because when you get to that point in the episode where Ramsey's like looking at Mariner and says, well, I was expecting to actually deal with the badass that was actually in our class that everyone expected to be captain by now. And instead I'm dealing with you. (laughs) And that was, that was actually one of the coolest moments because I'm like going, yeah, it's about time someone actually throws this in Mariner's face and basically says, well, what, why the fuck are you doing this? You know? (laughs) And Instead of having Mariner, what I was expecting was, you know, Mariner having a Rick moment where basically she gets, she just shows this one moment where she is this badass and no explanation. They actually went the extra mile by actually Mariner telling Ramsey, I don't want to live under those rules, those regulations. It bothers me. It bothers me that everybody has to uh, follow 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 the lead of the Federation. That you have to follow these rules, regulations, everything, and that truly bothers her. Now we don't have an explanation, just like what you said. Why she feels that way? And listen, it can very well, Dave, go right back to her parents. To her parents, perhaps. You know, I had assumed it had to do with the pressure of her parents, you know, them wanting something specific for her. And then that classic old tale, the kid rejects what the parents want of them. But it might be something deeper. Maybe there's something about her parents that just she truly despises the the idea of ranking up. She used a specific word when she said, uh, I believe she said, why do I have to rank up? Why can't I exactly why can't I keep exploring being a super great ensign? I'm wondering if there is just a real issue she has with her parents. The fact that they are both captains, they are overachievers in Starfleet. Perhaps maybe it has led to a neglectful childhood. Maybe she didn't have her parents when she needed them. And perhaps she resents them for that. And that's why she doesn't want to be in their position. And at that, this point, thanks to this episode, I'm, I mean, it's I was, all conjecture, but it, it's, mean, all it's, conjecture. It, it's definitely there though. But Especially knowing Mike McMahon's writing style and what he's been able to actually do in the past with other series, I'm actually intrigued to see if he's going to give us a serious story ending at the end of this particular in, at the end of season one with Mariner. Well, Dave, I think we're on that track because because it does. It feels like it, doesn't it? It does because. If you remember, and this is also something we've mentioned various times during our discussions, but if you remember, um, Mike McMahon's original concept for the series, do you remember what it was? It was that we would have a show that would focus on the incense, right? The lower decks, while the bridge crew dealt with the bigger threat, the stuff that you'd normally see in a regular Star Star Trek Trek show. show. Well, what did we get this episode? We saw that Captain Freeman, Ransom, and Shax were all on a covert mission, and that story didn't really come to a conclusion. It was very small, very small aspect of this episode. And I'm wondering if this is the initial step, or I should say initial setup, of a bigger story that will eventually unfold over the next few episodes and conclude with an epic season finale, because that aspect didn't get wrapped up. 
Oh, no, it didn't. It was left open. And we already know, based on various interviews, Mike McMahon said the last three episodes of the season are very big and action-packed. So I'm wondering if this is the start of that season finale. Especially hey. especially since, you know, they throw out the fact that, oh, they're there, their covert mission had to deal with something. They're there to plant seeds. <laughs> that doesn't sound like it's a major thing. Yeah, but this is Lower Decks. This is Lower Decks. And especially with how they use the whole idea of how the Federation approaches covert missions Mm -hmm. and you know for a fact that basically just the way they were dressed as star trek fans we know that the way they were dressed they were doing a very important mission because they don't the federation doesn't waste time to send send them all dressed up like that like say like the episode with Picard when he goes on their covert mission and then he gets captured and four four lights and you have that. The Chain of Command The episode. Chain of Command yeah. episode. Wait, was that Chain of Command? Uh, no, 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 no. That, that was... Um, Wait, what's the episode with Jellicoe in it? Because that was Chain of Command then. Yeah. Jellicoe was... I think Chain of Command was part Yeah, one. because that's what they're playing off of, right? Because if this was an episode... Yeah, that's what they were playing off yes, of. Yes, it is. I actually... Because, in fact, it didn't she me. say Jellicoe? Didn't Mariner actually say something about Jellicoe? Like... Yeah, he she, at the very beginning she says uh she she something makes about fun being of Jellicoed or something. Yeah, like she turned it into a Jellico coming in here. She she uses the reference when she doesn't know that Ramses is the captain that's coming in. She basically sees the people and says she says Jellico coming in here and it's it's a name drop to Edward Jellico. Yeah, which was a D-bag. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That guy <laughs> no don't forget he was the one who basically told troy to get dressed dude that part was fucking funny though <laughs> i still to this day when i rewatch i'm like <laughs> wear your uniform troy <laughs> and i'm like going, because i always wondered that too even as a kid i'm like what makes you so special walking around in pajamas <laughs> put your damn uniform on be professional and it, it, the funny part is when I look at that now, I actually like Jellico because Jellico was super serious well, about everything. He was a great character. He was a great character. But he was an asshole. He was an from, asshole. From a writing standpoint, he was fantastic. I mean, he pushed Riker's story forward. He just did such a great job. Oh, he pushed everyone's because, like, I remember in Chain of Command, the way he treats the Enterprise crew while Picard is gone, it really shows that... He treated them worse than Kern did. Remember Worf's brother when he took over? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, Jellico was actually came in as a true military captain. Yeah. And it really shows that it, it, that episode always showed me that Picard is actually one of the most laid back captains of all. Dude, look, I mean, Deanna Troy's in pajamas. I mean, you have a kid as an ensign flying the ship. You have Worf with cultural garb with cultural garb on He's not yep. even on uniform if i was a captain I'm like get that fucking shit off or you have i remember when he talks to riker he 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 basically tells riker i want you to start acting like a, a first officer when riker you know comes in and tries to sit like what he does with picard it, it, yeah dude i'm like, like yeah yeah this is this is probably a proper captain this is what a proper captain does. <laughs> yeah, so it was fun to see them playing into that a bit, the whole Jellico aspect and 
But that was definitely one of the. I say that's on my top fifteen episodes. Chain of Command. It may be top ten. Yeah, because like it, Chain of Command really not only affected the Enterprise crew, but it set the standard for Jean Luc. It set the start the standard for Picard at that point because yeah. seeing him go through that trauma really set us up for like further stories that he dealt with, like with Lacutus and the Borg and the Romulans and made Picard a very deep character. And it's so weird talking about that. And then with this particular episode in Lord Dex, we might actually get something like that. This might be the episode where things start turning because never know you uh, at the end of the episode, I'm like going, Hey, Mariner's not so bad. I totally understand her, but I think, the game, the 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 overall game plan for her story arc is to see at the end of the season is Mariner still this way where she doesn't she doesn't want to live by the Federation rules, or will she give in and basically say, yeah, I'm I'm gonna just be a Federation officer and do what the Federation says because that's what's quote unquote the best. We'll see, Dave. We'll see because we're like. We are closing in on the final three episodes of the season. What episode was this? It was seven. Yeah. Final three episodes that we yep. have left. So I feel like we're actually in a pretty good place right now. If if you asked me this four episodes ago, you know, listen to our previous shows. I was getting nervous with this show, but I Absolutely. feel at this point in the game, we're starting to understand our players. We're starting to understand uh, the aspects that we need to in order to justify continuing to watch this series. We like our characters. We're starting to understand what makes them tick. We are actually interested. We're being pulled in now, Dave, which I mean, if, again, after episode three, I could take it or leave it. But now if I don't watch the next episode, I'm going to feel like I'm missing out on some cool Star Trek. Yeah. Which is where I wanted to be. I wanted to feel like it was unmissable. You know how like you could so far with Star Trek, I don't feel like I can miss anything. But I didn't want this to be a show that was take it or leave it. Ah, well, you can watch it eh, or you don't or have you don't to. have to. I feel like if you want to learn more about the Star Trek world, then you have to watch this series. As I mentioned, Dave, it's building its own mythos. Look at Division 14. Yeah. Division 14 is now canon, Dave. And honestly, I think that's actually really cool. It's one of the coolest aspects that's actually viable. And I could see it being used in an actual live action version of Star Trek. And that's why I feel like it's such a great addition to the Star Trek world. Well, because it it answers one of the most one of the questions that has always plagued Star Trek fans, which is when Star Trek has these very strange moments when characters i don't know get turned into lizard people <laughs> what do you do what uh, who who deals with that because it can't just be the crew of that ship 
it ha- Feder- the Federation has to take responsibility and say, yeah, we're going to help you guys out because you're, you're part of us and we're going to figure this out. That's why I like the, the one moment when they showed the, the lizard, the lizard person's lying on the table. Yeah. That was the same as the lizard. What happened to uh Janeway and uh, I think it was Paris. Paris. Yeah. Where yeah. they turned into lizard people. And where at the end of that, I even was like going, how did they fix them? Dude, that was one of the most disturbing episodes of Star Trek I've ever watched. And people may say, what? Disturbing. Now, there was this weird, odd, non-consensual element to it. I mean, first you had Paris that I believe it was, what, Warp 10? He went into Warp 10 and the ship he built, and it was already spe- I want to say stated that you cannot travel warp 10 without there being repercussions Repercussions. and Harris managed to do it, but it wreaked havoc on his body and he essentially reverted in terms of evolution. He de-evolved and then he took Janeway with him when he was going crazy. Yes. Forced her against her will. Next thing we know, they find them on a planet where they mated and had babies. <laughs> and had babies. As amphibian type toads. Yep. Or I guess you can call them lizards, but I think they were more like amphibians. And then the best part by far, it's I remember, disgusting. I it's, remember at the end of that, Paris basically looked at Janeway and said, was apologizing for what happened. And then Janeway looks at him and says, How do you know that I wasn't the one who impregnated you? Oh. <laughs> or the one that initiated that's the, what she the said. initiated yeah dude and i was like oh there's something about that the fact that they had kids and they just left the kids like what, what you had babies you made it you're just gonna leave those things yeah like don't i mean it was weird it, it was, was weird it was emotionally disconnected it, it was a bizarre fucking episode it reminded me it reminded me of also the tng episode where jordy gets infected by that that weird uh parasite yeah. And transforms him. And then you get to the very end and they get Jordy and and it takes them time to cure him because they, they, they have to go through the cure. But they leave everybody else that got infected. And all they can say is, well, we they, they're too far gone. That's <laughs> yeah, strange. It's really strange. Listen, TNG has plenty of bizarre episodes. I think every D Space Nine, I don't think has any bizarre. They have some boring episodes in the opening two seasons. Not bad, just not super exciting. But bizarre and strange. That's reserved for TNG and for Voyager. TNG and Voyager, and yeah. even even Enterprise to some degree. I don't know. Did Enterprise have a bizarre episode? When DePaul was going to the pan far. That oh, was please. weird. No, that wasn't weird. That's natural. <laughs> I will be her release. I will I'll be her pan far partner. You would you would be in the front of the line. Get out of the way. Like, here, DePaul. I'm right here. I can help you. Here. But Mike, you're not a Vulcan. I I don't need I, to be. I don't need to be. You see my ears? <laughs> All right. Let's go to a very quick break, Dave. And then when we get back, let's jump into Easter eggs. Do you have a list over there? Yes. You can bring I'll up. I'll pull it up right now. All right. We'll be right back. Energize. All right. Get more Star Trek from the holodeck every single month. 
when you head over to our Patreon page. That's right, patreon.com slash Digital. Pledge to our podcast tier, $5 or more a month, and gain access to a plethora of additional discussions ranging from... Quam? I'm not speaking proper English anymore, Dave. From <laughs> the Maquis, the Borg, Hugh, all types of topics pertaining to Star Trek. Also, our pre-shows that are part of the $3 tier that you also get with the podcast tier, uh, where we talk about whatever we want pertaining to Star Trek before we do our live shows, our live discussions. So, patreon.com slash Digital pledge. Help keep us on the air because that's the only way we can remain on the air and doing shows every week is if we get all of you to support and help us. Seriously, we need it. Thank you. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transporter beam. Now. Transporter, stand by. Alright, welcome back everyone to Star Trek from the Holodeck. Remember to find us on iTunes and Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Search Star Trek from the Holodeck. Give us thumbs up. And give us some reviews. All right, Dave, so do you have that Easter egg list? Yes, I do. It's from uh, trekmovie.com. All right, why don't you go through that list, and let's see if I can not get angry this week. Okay. So, as I said, this comes from trekmovie.com. It's labeled, From Warp 10 Lizards to Space Jellyfish, Star Trek Lower Decks Easter Eggs in Much Ado About Bulmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one that they jump right in is Substitute Jellico. Uh, much of much, uh, much of much ado about Boimler. What the fuck just happened? Wow, was a riff in? Did the, you just travel warp ten and de evolve? <laughs> apparently, was a riff of the sixth season two part Star Trek Next Generation episode Chain of Command, starting with the captain and two senior officers being recruited for a special Starfleet ops mission. Hmm. Freeman, Ransom, and Shax wore the same stealth suits. As Picard, Crusher, and Worf okay, in is, that episode. Okay, is that an Easter egg or just like having fun? Well, here's the thing. Depending on like how it pans out. Dave, that's like saying somebody in the background wore a Star Trek uniform and it's an Easter egg for Star Trek. Like, well, that's what they wore. That's wearing, yeah, but it's wearing also, covert gear is what you obviously wore when you're on a covert mission. That's not an Easter egg. 
But also, uh, prior to the break, we were ta- hey, discussing about the people about in the background how- breathe oxygen. That's also an Easter egg because <laughs> Easter there are characters in TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyager that breathed oxygen. So that's an Easter egg. That's an Easter egg. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. I'm but- sorry. <laughs> this is why I hate these lists. Oh, yeah. But also, Mariner also made a reference to a Jellico coming in here. Name dropping Captain Edward Jellico, who took command of the Enterprise D while Picard and his team were on their away mission. That could be an Easter egg. I would give him that one. Uh, mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would give that one. It's a little bit more of a reference in breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Okay. But also. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to get caught up on this. <laughs> You're not going to get caught up. No. Okay. The next one is phased out. Due to a failed experiment with transporters, Brad Boimler spent most of the episode out of phase. Star Trek characters as phase specters have been recurring theme across the franchise, starting with Captain Kirk in the Tholian web, Ensign Rowe and Jordi uh, LaForge were also out of phase in yeah, TNG. That's not an Easter egg. That's a trope. That's a, that's more of a trope. Yeah. I, th- I would agree with you there. That is more of a trope. And then let's see. Next one is bad ship for a good bedside manner. Dr. Ta'ana summoned Starfleet Division 14 to take care of Brad's special condition, and they arrived in a unique ship called the Osler. The ship was likely named for a Canadian physician, Dr. William Osler, who was one of the founders of the John Hopkins Hospital and is described as the father of modern medicine. Osler pioneered training students in, uh, in bedside manner, so naming this dark foreboding ship after him was a bit ironic. Okay. Uh, then we get down to the Star Wars freak show. Hey, Star Wars? Or Star Wars. Sorry, Starfleet How freak show. How dare you, sir? <laughs> that, is, be, that is seven lashings with a bat left. I will, I, I'll be put out in the airlock. <laughs> You're going to have to go through the pan far now without any release. <laughs> any release. That's your punishment, sir. The Osler housed a number of victims of a- accidents that looked a bit familiar. Mm-hmm. Anthony the Salamander-like creature cool. was clearly inspired by a de-evolved creature's Tom Paris and Captain Janeway. I would call that an Easter egg because that's very specific to one episode. It isn't like another species. It's something yeah. that's specific to an accident that happened on Voyager. Yeah. And then Ensa yeah. Jenna and an unnamed officer were both confined to motorized chairs that only able to talk via beeps. Now, is that an Easter egg or again, the technology at the time when you're in an accident? The thing is, though, you have to. It's so a, it's a, so it's so specific to Pike. Only Pike's ever shown up in that. Thing. Right. But that also we all how many handicapped people that can't walk have we seen in Star Trek? <laughs> well, that's the problem. If they decide to make Star Trek the the golden age years and we have a bunch of old aging people, then perhaps we'll see more of those wheelchairs. <laughs> that would be so messed up. <laughs> I think that's what Shaban has planned for Picard season two. Oh my god, dude, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, I, I'd have to say, I'd have to say, I would be cracking up. Well, laughing. his uh, golem body's no longer working. They let's were, put him in the chair. Let's put him in that chair. That's a great way to bookend Picard's legacy. And then. uh uh, another was the two officers, Ellis and Sanderson, have been fused together due to a neutrino transporter accident, <laughs> which was a twist on the eponymous character created from the transporter accident in Voyager, yeah. episode Tuvex. 
And that was, that was that a was, weird episode too. That was a weird episode because it's strange because it was Tuvok and uh, Neelix. Neelix, yeah, and they fused together. Which I didn't like that episode. Oh, yeah, it was weird. That was too weird. The leader of the freaks was a half boy slash old man who was suffering from both rapid aging and de aging. Now, if there was a freak accident where Belana seven and nine and the Paul. Got all mixed up in a transport accident. I think like, that'd be too much sexy. Maybe Kira as well. Sexy. A little bit of Dax. And there's a giant. <laughs> oh, wow. How did I get all five of these hotties all in one body? This is so weird. You have to think, dude. That a seven of nine's bitchiness and uh, to big old boobs. And wouldn't you do that if you were if you had a holodeck? Take all the great. Oh, OK, Barkley. Yes. I will fully agree. Computer, I am Barkley. Um, create program to Paul seven. Balana. Kira, Dax, and um, go ahead. Go ahead. Open it up. <laughs> open it up. Oh, yeah. Definitely open her up. Uh, oh, oh <laughs> that's way. That's just too far, Dave. That's too far. Yeah. But the uh, leader of the freaks was a half boy slash old man who suffered from both rapid aging and de-aging like the dying Daniels from Enterprise mm. Stormfront. Yeah. That was that was a weird one. Yeah. From Enterprise. That's, that, that's the one that, that sticks a, out at me. I don't know if that was an evil. Oh, did did that that remind me, you of that episode? Oh yeah, okay. Because right. that was the one that basically for for me when I think of weird moments in Star Trek for each series, the the Stormfront one was strange. You know what the, was because a weird like, moment in Enterprise is when they you know for the first two years they had to always <laughs> uh, you know decontaminate themselves by getting naked and, and rubbing oils all over their bodies. <laughs> Like that was always weird for me. Like, do you think um, Mike McMahon's gonna play pay tribute to that a few times? Like, all right, Mariner and Boilermark go to rub some oil on. See, dude, that's the shit I would do because I liked Enterprise. I did. I had some problems with the first two episodes or the first two seasons. Not big. They weren't deal breakers, but um, those were some of the moments that I just thought were so like pathetically desperate for ratings. How many times can we get Tucker and Paul naked? <laughs> All right, go ahead. And then they, the next one is reanimated specialist. Uh, this episode had a couple of rare Federation aliens appear. Mm-hmm. The Division 14 specialist was a trilim Indosian, the same species right. as Eric's from Star Trek the yeah, Animated Series. That's not an Easter egg, though. That's just an, a species. Yeah, when they bring up species, I don't consider that a, <laughs> a Easter egg. egg. Uh, the next one they said was Lieutenant Pratchett, a Rigelian, but Rigelians, yeah, Rigelians were seen in Enterprise. That's not an Easter egg. Uh, uh, anything else on there, Dave? This one, the last one was actually kind of cool, was the encounter at Jellyfish. Uh, the episode ended with USS Rubino being consumed from the inside by an alien creature transforming into a space jellyfish. Do you think that creature was essentially the same creature? I think it was. Yeah. Because, dude, the, the same design and everything. Yeah, that was awesome. I thought that was... Now, that, for me, is a, a cool Easter egg. Because oh, yeah. Because it, it absolutely reminded me of Encounter at Farpoint. Well, it fed off energy, right? Isn't that what the um, creature did in... Encounter at Farpoint as well? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I believe so. It's been a while since I watched that episode. And like, I remember at the only thing, the only difference between this, this moment and then the encounter at Farpoint, the people that were on the, uh, the, uh, on Farpoint were actually using the creature for energy. That's right. And, and then getting things from them and getting things from remember them. Remember when Dr. Crusher wanted a certain material, you couldn't find it in her collar. Yeah. <laughs> And they wanted apples. 
Oh my god, I love Star Trek. <laughs> All right, Dave. Let's. We need to move into our final thoughts. Uh, do you want to start? Sure. Um, my final thoughts on this episode. It's a very good episode. Uh, as I said, it's not my favorite episode. It's it, it's for me not as good as the last episode that scored. I believe I gave the last episode a ninety, but this episode absolutely scores a 88 on my, on, on my notes. And I'm really pleased how Lord Dex started at a very quote unquote low point, but it, it it's had a positive trajectory. I mean, I really appreciate that. You started at a very low point. You had me scared. Now I could see in seven episodes, you, you had a good game plan. You just stumbled out of the gate. Yeah, you, you tripped. You tripped. Yeah. But you gained some, you gained some momentum now. And I, uh, after this episode, I went from, I mean, you can look back at the old recordings. I hated Mariner. I absolutely hated her guts. I think everyone did. I wanted her to get killed just oh, randomly. Dave, come on. You know. That's violent. Turn her into a, a warp tin lizard, please. De-evolve her. <laughs> De-evolve her, please. <laughs> but like. After this one, I, I fully understand. I get a, a inkling of understanding that character now. And now I'm more or less kind of like looking at it going, okay, what's going to happen to Mariner at the end of the season? And we kind of care. And we care. Yeah. Because we need to. The worst thing that could happen to Mariner, I think, is actually being promoted. Well, maybe she can be promoted and then kill Klingons like Kirk did and then get demoted. <laughs> and, de- demoted. and then everybody will celebrate his demotion. Oh my god. I, dude, that would be funny if that they did something like that. It's gonna happen, Dave. Come on. This is a parody type <laughs> this is show. This is a parody type show. So, give it an 88. I think that people should be watching Lower Decks. I hope a lot of more fans are giving this show a shot. Alright. So 88% is that we said 88. Okay. I'm going to give this episode also 88%. It was a strong episode. As I said, at the top of the show, this isn't my favorite episode so far. And I don't think it's the best episode so far, but it's still strong. And I will say it's probably the most star Trek episode we have been given so far, just in terms of world building and story character development so I'm really happy with the direction we're going. I did not think after episode three, I would be saying I'm happy, but I am actually happy with this series. Uh, of course, there's room for improvement. Absolutely. Uh, but as of right now, I'm very happy with the direction we're going. And this does take us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everybody for listening. Make sure to give us reviews and share, like, comment it helps it helps trigger those algorithms if you want to continue to listen to our shows and enjoy our thoughts on things then those are the things that we're going to need from you either that or go to patreon.com slash rainman digital and pledge help us out thank you david thank you live long and prosper i couldn't help but notice your pain my pain it runs deep share it with me end simulation